Hey everyone, welcome to Hooked on a Feline. A podcast where your favorite English nerds, MM, that's me, and Margo, howdy, do a deep dive into Aaron Hunter's Warriors, rereading our childhood obsession. Let's get this party started. We are back after what was a moderate break for us. No break for y'all if we do our job right and we release these in a timely manner. How are you feeling? Returning to the world of warriors. I'm feeling great. Jumping right back into the wild. Yeah, we are jumping back into the wild and we are seeing all sorts of tomfoolery and nastiness going down. And we see that finally somebody is not all that he seems. Not only has Tiger Claw killed and presumably will kill again, but he also shows off his acting chops when he's making uh, Darkstripe and Longtail believe that Ravenpaw is actually the traitor. You know, it's very funny. The descriptions are like, well, I have to say I agree with you, Darkstripe, murmured Tigerclaw, his voice heavy with emotion. He trailed off as if he were too upset to say more. He's a very, uh, <laughs> he's a very convincing actor. So for our intro, I wanted to ask you as a director... What iconic roles would you cast Tigerclaw in? What iconic roles would I cast Tigerclaw in? Okay, this one's going to seem really out of the blue. And I love this character. Um, but I think Tigerclaw could play a mean Amy from Little Women. Oh! <laughs> I could really see him. Um, spoilers for Little Women here, everyone. Just a heads up. Skip the next, like, 20 seconds if you want. I could really see him spitefully burning um, Blue Star Joe's papers of her writing. Um, that one really came out of the blue for Tiger Claw's Amy. Um, who else? You were I, ready I want to pull that. some that are unexpected. I already talk about him, you know, in accordance with a certain Scottish Shakespearean leading man. Um, so I think obviously he could be cast in that role. I don't think he, I don't think he has the depth to do it though. I, I have another, I had another Shakespearean offering and I'm not super Is it familiar. Iago? Oh, ah, that's, no, that's too, you see, that's too, well, you're worried about, um, him not being up for the role, but I think it would be, we have to give him something with more depth, something more challenging, you know, to strengthen the skills that he already has. I would cast him as King Lear because there Ooh. we have him. Yeah. He's actually been betrayed by a child as he, you know, pretends to have been betrayed by Ravenpaw. You, you get to see that uh, abrasiveness at the beginning, and then it will be a real challenge to make him, you know, well, humanize for one, because he is a cat, but, you know, to make him more uh, sympathetic at the end, you know, when he's lost it all. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that aren't obscure. Sorry, my brain is in the, like, theater major space. And I was like, Berenger and Ionesco's rhinoceros. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's bring the rhinoceros. Um, yeah, what, what pinter play would Tiger Claw be in? <laughs> Where would he be in, like, a musical? What's a musical he would be in? I think that, let's see, I, li I looked up a list of baritone roles on Reddit because, you know, it's, he's described as He's a baritone, telling... you've decided? Well, he's like he's got like a low gravelly voice, and I know I think in one of our earlier episodes I said pretty much my like voice head canon for him would be the beast from uh, I almost said Into the Wild, um, <laughs> the the beast from Over the Garden Wall. So I have a list of um, we have Mr. Krabs from the uh, SpongeBob SquarePants musical. You know, yeah. 
got a low gravelly voice there again it would be you know uh, a challenge to sort of humanize him i feel like if he if there were money in this world like he would be really into it so i could see mm-hmm. that see him being greedy <laughs> it is funny this he doesn't he doesn't know what money is yeah he, he only cares for power they have no economic system in warriors yeah, they don't even have like. Ah, I'm trying to think if like later on they'll you know talk about the the prey. They talk a little about the prey resources, so they have supply and demand. But you know they don't have a market, which I think yeah, is they don't a like good trade thing. fresh kill, mm-hmm. which or would be like interesting. Medicine cat supplies. So yeah. Oh, though that would be interesting too. I can imagine the medicine cats being more uh, you know more willing to cooperate potentially. But yes, going on. And another another baritone role I have that would certainly be a challenge would be a uh, Barry Glickman from The Prom. <laughs> okay, I have a new I have a new headcanon for Tiger Claw playing roles. Tiger Claw can play any role that James Corden has played. <laughs> Tiger Claw and James Corden are are the same. I actually the real question is who would Tiger Claw play in cats? Oh my gosh. I mean I, I put down McCavity, obviously, but as I, like, looked it up, I mean, I don't think that McCavity really, in the original one, of course we've all seen, and, you know, if you haven't, please go see The Monstrosity, that is the Cats movie musical, where McCavity has more of a role, but from my understanding, in the in the play, he's just sort of, you know, he's like a boogeyman, like, they don't really, like, he appears, but he doesn't even really sing. Yeah, he doesn't get to do the fun, McCavity! Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I also haven't seen the musical. I've only seen the movie. Um, mm. But but it is much more like the original and the bits that I've... The original being T.S. Eliot's um, poem collection in that it's just, you know, songs about each individual cat with much less of a... Uh, not that I would call the plot of Cats 2019 a plot, but like... <laughs> just a collection less... of visual horrors, just like the tunnel and the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> You're right, except they made it a whole movie. Oh, God. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> uh, uh, Tiger Claw is Willy Wonka. I think just the, yeah. the distaste. He's repeatedly tried to kill children over and over, you know? I think it would be a, a real good a real good opportunity. I yeah, think that is, a, that is a tenor. I'm not super knowledgeable, but I think it is a little higher. But, you know, he can adapt. Yeah, I was thinking in, in terms of tenor roles. Well, actually, I guess that's not a, a tenor role. I was thinking about... Jesus Christ Superstar and roles he could play, but I really don't want to connect Tiger Claw to any biblical characters. I think that would be maybe a little, (laughs) that's too far, even for us. Yeah. Although as we, as we, as we will get, I'm sure more, more explicitly uh, religious themes, I think starting as early as the third book, we, we could bring that into play. That's true. That's true. We'll come, we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. We'll table that for now. Just like the the table that uh, Jesus and the disciples ate at at the Last Supper. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, any any other final you know any show stopping roles anything you can envision the the demagogue the big meanie in. You know this one is I think he could also play, and I'm a little biased against this character, but in a very Potter musical, I think Tiger Claw could play Dumbledore. I personally don't like Dumbledore. Um, this is Margot out here saying that this is a Dumbledore hate account. Um, right here, I do not like Dumbledore. Um, people who do, we can argue about it. 
tweet at us, I guess. That's how Twitter works. Um, and I will discuss Dumbledore with you. Actually, I don't want to get into a Harry Potter discussion on Twitter. Through um, a Warrior Cats podcast account. Through a Warrior Cats podcast account. So don't actually do that. But I think Tiger Claw could play that, you know, hero who even not explicitly is not that great. But there's a line in a Harry Potter musical that I think of where and it's in the first song where he's like, I'm Dumbledore and I'm headmaster. Um, but you can call me Albus if you want, if you want detention. Um, and then he goes, just kidding. I'll expel you if you call me Albus. And I could just see Tiger Claw doing that line for some reason. Um, you know, he does like expelling people from the clan, sometimes through death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the uh, uh, a more literal version of, you know, we'll be killed or worse, expelled, expelled. or worse, we'll just be killed. <laughs> yeah, that line always infuriated me. Um, but out of Harry Potter land and back into Warriors. Yes, um, of course. My out of out of one out of one frying pan and into the fire. <laughs> yeah. Into the fire alone um, that will save our clan. clan. That's true. So, yeah, let's get into the summary. For this episode, we read chapters 18, 19, and 20. We pick up right where the last chapter left off, with Tigerclaw asking the apprentices if Ravenpaw was telling them about how he protected Redtail. Firepaw says no, and Tigerclaw leaves. The elders and Greypaw take away Lionheart's body to be buried. The next day, Tigerclaw announces to the whole clan that because Bluestar had lost a life on their journey... He was appointing Darkstripe and Longtail to guard her at all times. Bluestar says that the clan's safety is more important than hers, and invites Yellowfang to join ThunderClan, who accepts. The cats prepare for war with ShadowClan. Firepaw and Yellowfang bond a little, and talk about what loyalty means, and how you can be loyal to a group other than the one you were born into. She tells Firepaw to roll in wild garlic to help with his wounds from the rat fight, and he leaves camp. Outside, he overhears Tigerclaw lying to Darkstripe and Longtail, saying that Ravenpaw had become a traitor and he snuck off to ShadowClan's camp while the other cats were at the Moonstone. Firepaw rushes back to tell Greypaw and Ravenpaw, and on his way back runs into Spottedleaf, who tells him the prophecy that StarClan gave her. Fire alone can save our clan. The next day, Firepaw goes to train one-on-one -on -one with Bluestar, who assesses his battle skills and tells him he must be more prepared. He means to tell her about Tigerclaw, but both is worried she won't believe him and forgets. That night, Ravenpaw has a nightmare, and Firepaw takes the opportunity to tell him that Tigerclaw said he was a traitor. Firepaw asks why Tigerclaw lied, and Ravenpaw finally tells the true story of what happened at Sunning Rocks. Redtail killed Oakheart. And then Tigerclaw ordered Ravenpaw to leave. But he stayed behind and saw Tigerclaw kill Redtail, his own clan's deputy. Back in the present, a queen named Brindleface has kits and is now nervous around Yellowfang. Bluestar meets with Firepaw and tells him he fought well and that she's worried about ShadowClan. But she's confident good old Tigerclaw will help ThunderClan in this difficult time. Firepaw hears this and decides, for some reason, not to take away her confidence by telling her Tigerclaw literally murdered the previous deputy. Bluestar then reveals to Firepaw that she had actually lost her seventh of nine lives to the rats, 
not her fifth, as she had told Tigerclaw, and asks Firepaw not to say anything else to Thunderclan. Suddenly, Frostfur screams that her kits are missing, and when everyone rushes out to look for them, they find Spottedleaf dead from a warrior blow. The kits and Yellowfang are nowhere to be found. Yeah, and so we're just going to start with chapter 18, as you've just heard talking 18, 19, and 20 today. We really start in the moments after we leave off from the chapter before um, with Lionheart's death and everyone sitting vigil with him. And I was thinking about it, and this is the first big death that Firepaw was, you know, close to the cat who died. Like, you know, we have Redtail's death, but Firepaw never met him. Um, And so he, I think we see a different energy and a grief with Firepaw um, in terms of, and especially through how he sees Graypaw and his grief. Um, It just feels very different from the other cat's deaths we've had, even in just a couple of pages before the action jumps back again. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I would have liked to see maybe a little more grief out of Firepaw because Lionheart was basically, you know, his mentor and, you know, an authority figure, someone he trusted, someone who trained him, and we don't get a lot from him. Uh, He's just very, you know, uh, point-of-view character, like, observant of the whole grieving process as, you know, so many other things are happening at once with, you know, Tigerclaw being named deputy and Ravenpaw, you know, finally sort of breaking down and all of that, but we do get this, you know, portrait of grief through Graypaw, who, you know, he even goes with the elders to bury his old mentor's body, and is, you know, hit very hard. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to think about how, I think in a lot of these chapters, Firepaw has this, like, wall of trying to figure out the mystery. So we even see later on, when he's going to train with blue star she has to like swat him to get him out of his thinking about what's going on with ravenpaw and tiger claw um but i think even here you know he hears that statement that ravenpaw makes the end of the last chapter about how tiger claw you know killed red tail and that's sort of all he can think about which is you know nice for young readers that you're constantly reminded of the mystery as he's trying to find it out and gets more pieces but i also wish he had had a little more grief but i think he you know in young young apprentice brain um is sort of blocked by trying to figure out what is you know what's going on behind the scenes yeah i mean you know we certainly we certainly hmm, his young apprentice brain and you know you mentioned uh you know having being constantly reminded of the mystery which is good for younger readers um but i am just uh <laughs> i am just so frustrated with firepaw he he, he just doesn't get it. There are so many, like, things that, uh, what is it, you know, in those, there's, you know, like, telltale of adventure games where it's like, this action will have consequences whenever you, like, make a choice. And, you know, it might not be the right one. Firepaw just, okay. Number, number one, when Spotted Leaf, like, looks him in the eyes and tells him, fire will save our clan. And he thinks, hmm, wonder, wonder what this could be about. Oh, man, you know, fire. Isn't fire bad? You know, as Frankenstein taught us, fire bad, huh? I'm just going to walk away. And to be fair, to be fair, he does have a lot of things to deal with. He has a lot of things on his little, little kitty pet, little apprentice mind. But, I mean, come on. It's, I don't think it would be... I mean, I guess it's a way to distance 
fire paw from the readers. Because up until now, you know, he's been kind of a reader vessel. You know, he's the outsider. We're showing what he thinks and what he sees of everything. And we're sort of figuring out the mystery along with him. And, you know, it's it's maybe a little unfair to, you know, younger readers who might not catch on as quickly or... Um, you know, thinking that we have, like, we know that Tiger Claw killed Redtail. I think, like, even even you who didn't have, like, that much memory of the first series or pretty much, you know, anything aside from major plot points, we know Tiger Claw is a nasty guy. He is coded as a, a huge villain. Not even coded, he, you know, he tries to kill a kid, like, several times, pretty blatantly. And still, Firepaw, he, he doesn't get it, and it's... It's not, not only does he not get it until he, um, he, you know, he, he gets Ravenpaw to confirm it, which is good. You know, I think that's a sweet bonding moment there. As you know, again, we see how shaken Ravenpaw is and Firepaw comforts him and it's very sweet. But then, like, we don't, <sighs> he forgets to tell Blue Star, which, again, is, you know, understandable. There's a lot of things that keep happening and a lot of things that, uh, keep coming up. You know, he has his training session with Blue Star, which is, a uh, you know, it's it's interesting to him. He's, you know, he's finally going to be taught by, you know, the highest position of power in the clan, someone who he respects a lot. And, you know, he's actually, for the first time that we see really learning on his own, you know, battle moves, and he's getting a lot of specific things. But he forgets to tell her, which is, you know, a little annoying, you know, you know, like, ah, the protagonist forgot, but we haven't forgotten. But then he he has the opportunity when he's in the in the cave alone in the leader's den with blue star he could tell her that you know hey i heard tiger claw killed redtail this is a and surely he must recognize how important this is and how completely untrustworthy it makes tiger claw but he just he doesn't he he says that you know like he hears blue star be like worrying about oh you know we have more kids to feed now and everything and you know my deputy is killed but at least we have tiger claw and instead of that making him say um actually you know there's something you really should know he thinks oh man she's really she's really down i'll let her i'll let her have this i'll let her think that tiger claw is her friend and then he goes and i'm gonna be the one who has to fix all of this dude you're not equipped to handle this situation you're a baby like you didn't even understand when spotted leaf looked you in the eye and was like, fire alone can save our clan. Your name is literally Firepaw, dude. Dude, like, see. And I will say, I read her saying that to him. And I was like, oh, no. You know, sometimes I feel like stories get nasty when the protagonist knows about the prophecy that's about them. And then he was like, I wonder what that could mean. And I was like, well, I guess that's not a problem. Um, but, but, yeah, the other thing that really got me about that scene with Blue Star in her den is, so she goes... You know, I was worried about Tiger Claw's ambition, but I think he'll be fine now. I'm so glad we have such a strong warrior. And then she goes, but I lied to him about how many lives I have left. So she clearly doesn't trust him completely. So I was like, and that, that was weird mixed messages a little bit from her. And it, it feels odd. Like, I guess it is, it is important for the readers to know that she has seven lives left. Or not seven lives left. It's important for the readers to know that she has lost her seventh life and therefore only has two left. And Firepaw is like, wow, I'm so glad she told me. I think it's kind of weird that she told him in plot. Like, the only reason why in plot it, it, it sort of, it makes you feel like she also doesn't trust him. Tiger Claw, that is. I was like, why, 
why are you telling Firepaw? I think I want him to realize how important he is. And he just doesn't constantly, but he's like, I'm going to save everyone anyway. Um, like, he's he's got that, like, hero energy. He's like, I'm going to save the day, but also doesn't realize that everyone is trying to push him to be the one that saves the day. And that disconnect just bugs me. Yeah, like, he doesn't... He doesn't get the stakes is what I think is messing with me. And then, you know, that might be some of, you know, in some of this, you know, like not understanding could be, you know, like could be a character flaw. And I'm sure like, at least I hope that later on he'll maybe reflect on some of these moments, especially considering we're the first book and he might, you know, these might be, you know, markers for character development. Like, oh, here he doesn't tell Blue Star. Here he doesn't recognize how important he is. And, you know, the agency and the power that he has, you know, not even as like a prophesied had but you know as someone who is in a position to do something to help and doesn't for whatever reason and uh i don't know it is it is frustrating now i hope that it will be addressed later but it is still really weird that she sort of confides in in this baby and this little infant cat that doesn't really know anything and I don't know, I just feel like, you know, I hope that we return to this, you know, like, in, you know, flashbacks later, like, you know, oh, I could have told her then, because this seems like a pivotal moment, and we're learning a lot, and I, he is, like, overwhelmed by the knowledge that she only has two lives, for whatever reason that she told him, but, uh, and I, I know that, you know, oh, it's, it's frustrating, and I, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a good move to, um, to, again, like, lay out all these pieces for younger readers, but, like, it's just so frustrating as you know like you know like like when you're watching a movie like sitting it's like it's like when you're watching a horror movie and you see someone you know do something that's stupid or you know like ah like why'd you do that and it's just mm, i don't know it's very frustrating at least yeah and like the other thing that really gets me is he hasn't even told Graypaw about what's going on like he doesn't even have one and you know, I love Ravenpaw to death, but like Ravenpaw is not going to be helpful in this because he is the scapegoat and he is, you know, the one who, one of the, the whole clan is in danger, but he is more significantly in danger than a lot of other cats are. But I think actually one of the biggest disconnects between Firepaw and what's going on is that he feels like Ravenpaw's in danger but isn't thinking about how the whole clan is in danger in a different way. Because I don't think he thinks of the implications beyond Tigerclaw is ambitious. Like, what else does that mean? What comes after? Like, so if Ravenpaw becomes the scapegoat for the Shadow Clan attack, which, like, number one, Blue Star knows that Ravenpaw didn't go anywhere. So Tigerclaw tells Darkstripe and Longtail that. You know, Ravenpaw must have been the one to tell Shadow Clan that, you know, Tigerclaw and Blue Star were gone to attack then. But Ravenpaw was was there the whole time. Like there are multiple alibis for him. <laughs> That's the like like and Firepaw knows this, and yet he still doesn't tell Blue Star, but he doesn't think about how someone else told Shadow Clan that they were gonna be gone. I think that is pretty clear. Um, is that we know that there's that there's a spy in camp, but he doesn't think beyond saving Ravenpaw, um, which like I think we have evidence that he sees beyond things earlier, but not now, and that's also really frustrating. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about that, about how, you know, not only were, like, the other apprentices there, which, I mean, Tiger Claw could, like, maybe, you know, dismiss or whatever, but, like, if he wanted to really set up Ravenpaw, he would have to go against Blue Star and say that Blue Star was wrong or that she didn't notice or something. But, like, trying to pin it on Ravenpaw, like, it, as, as the Shadow Clan spy who we can infer, which, you know, maybe, again, maybe we're not giving Firepaw enough credit. I think you were saying, you know, like, he is only focused on Ravenpaw's in danger, not focused on everyone else. He is, you know, he's basically a kid. He might not see the broader scope of things, even though, you know, knowing that Tiger Claw killed a member of his own clan. Like, I think he would be at least maybe even a little scared for himself, a little scared for other people. But, you know, regardless, um, we see that uh, Tiger Claw is pinning, you know, the Shadow Clan spy thing, which, you know, if, if Firepaw hasn't, you know, inferred that there must be one by now, then certainly other people must have, or other cats, rather. He's painting it out to be Ravenpaw, who is also, like, a baby, who's, like, everyone knows how nervous he is. He, like, can barely fight. Instead of the Shadow Clan cat that we know that they don't trust because of the little, you know, all the things about, oh, you know, Frostfur is a little anxious. She gives her approval, but everything. And then Brindleface is a little wary to let Yellowfang around her kits. Like, why, why wouldn't he try to paint Yellowfang as the spy? Especially when he, like, he says Shadow Clan, Tigerclaw says that Shadow Clan must have a spy because they knew when to attack. He looks at Ravenpaw pretty pointedly. And then Cat's, like, the narrative, like, describes him as, like, following his gaze and being puzzled because he's, number one, an apprentice, and number two, like, he's nervous again, and they have an actual Shadow Clan, former Shadow Clan warrior in their camp. Like, I, I, I get that Tiger Claw wants to, like, erase the evidence or whatever, as, you know, we've seen him try to kill Ravenpaw, like, as we've seen Tiger Claw try to kill Ravenpaw, pretty much, like, you know, like a like a dumb ways to die video or, you know, something just like over and over and over, but trying to frame a, a, a kid with anxiety as the, as the an abused spy. child with anxiety. Exactly. It is, it is comical. And, you know, I almost wanted this to be like a slip up for people to be, you know, a little suspicious because it's interesting how no one is suspicious of Tiger Claw. And I guess he hasn't done much from, other perspectives to make him seem suspicious but i would say when he challenges blue star by revealing how many lives at least he thinks she has wouldn't wouldn't cats get a little weird at that and like appointing the bodyguards like dark stripe and Longtail, as you said i don't know i would be a little all of these things combining at that one meeting if i were you know a, a random cat in thunder clan i would be kind of suspicious of tiger claw or at least like pretty surprised at the sort of brazen you know display of authority and weird framing of a child. Yeah, and I think it's really weird that no one questions this. I also think, because I think when, so if we go way back to the all, all of the clans meeting at the Four Trees and Ravenpaw talking about this story, um, where Tigerclaw at that point did away with Redtail, um, it's, it is really weird that no one has suspicion on him, especially because, as Blue Star implies later, he has a history of, like, seeming really ambitious. So he, he brings up these bodyguards, and I will say, I thought about the movie Bodyguard, um, and then the song You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon, because there's a line that says, um, I'll be your bodyguard. Your bodyguard. Um, yep. 
Um, so that just played in my head at that moment. But it was so sketchy. He was like, here are my little, here are my little minions. And they're going to protect Blue Star at all times. And no one can talk to her. Like, no one can talk to her without them being there. Like, they have to be around, which is really just, he wants his little dudes to know all the information. Like, that is so clearly, like, a barrier to other cats telling Blue Star about things to me. Like, she she steps up and she, you know, pulls out her, her girl boss and goes, I think I'm good. Uh, like, I don't, I don't need bodyguards because the clan is more important than my life. Like, I'm supposed to die with the clan. She's supposed to go down with the ship. Like, that's how it works. Um, and she questions it. And this happens in front of everyone. Like... That's a great sign for, you know, the, the future harmony of your clan to have the deputy who was, again, just appointed sort of instating this and then, you know, have her pretty much disagree like immediately after. Like, that's that's great. There's no tension at all. You know, it's super great. Blue Star is reaching across the aisle by, uh, you know, appointing someone from the opposite sort of party, from the uh, anger and aggression <laughs> party instead of uh, old wise mentor girl boss party. Yeah. Yeah, and then she, and I think Tiger Claw would just have such an easy time pinning this on Yellow Fang. I'm thinking about it again. And then immediately at this meeting, right after that, she offers Yellow Fang full membership in the clan. She's not just a rogue that they've kept it, that they, you know, are keeping. She's not a loner anymore. She's not a prisoner anymore. She gets offered, you know, full membership to the clan. The gay moms are together at last. She gets her little uh, her little uh, VIP card so she can get a to, you know ten dollars off each mouse from the first <laughs> kill pile. <laughs> and yet, and you know everybody's like, oh okay, um, because she helped out in the last battle. And Tiger Claw goes Ravenpaw, like, dude, be better at being evil. <laughs> it is it is it is comical. It is almost comical just you know and again i get that things are exaggerated because it's a kid's book and we are you know definitely coming at this with the advantage of you know being aware of the situation beforehand and uh, definitely you know much older than the intended audience but it is so funny the way in which you just he missed that opportunity and you know he's portrayed as like an expert you know like a master manipulator like not that uh you know dark stripe and Longtail needed to agree with him you know needed much convincing anyways but it's just it's so funny to see him miss that just it's right there. The opportunity is right there. Ugh. Yeah, it would be. And then he, I'm really, I'm going to jump a little bit. We've been jumping around a lot this episode. But um, to when he sends Ravenpaw hunting in Shadow Clan's territory. Like, is that him just trying to get Ravenpaw killed? Is that him trying to have Ravenpaw smell like Shadow Clan? Because that was my initial thought. Is it like, oh, so if Ravenpaw comes back smelling like Shadow Clan, will people think that he's the spy? Because, like, he can just be like, as he's told um, Firepaw, I was sent to hunt in Shadow Clan territory by Tiger Claw. And, like, clearly Ravenpaw cannot say no to Tiger Claw. Like, I don't know why anyone would expect him to be able to especially because everyone can see i think the whole clan at this point can see how anxious he is around tiger claw like 
Like, we're, th- yeah, we're saying, you know, a firepaw, like, notices it more, and, you know, it took him a while to notice it, but, you know, it's, and again, it's probably made more obvious for the reader, but, you know, I mean, these cats have, like, grown up around Tiger Claw, and even Blue Star mentions he's, you know, he's well-liked, but certainly they must have noticed all the shady stuff that's been happening. Like, you know, Ravenpaw just comes in, like, oh, hey, uh, Tiger Claw told me to go stand under this giant anvil for training, and people are just like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, you know, it's it's cool. His methods are fine. And we don't even have Lionheart around anymore to, like, balance him out. I think that's a loss of reason that I hadn't really thought about until now. Is like, you know, Tigerclaw and Lionheart are so clearly foils. But how much of the voice of reason, even before he was deputy, was Lionheart for Blue Star? Like, he was not only a great warrior, but he's also very smart and kind and um, brave in lots of ways that are very opposite to the, like, cunning, the cunning, not that he's great at it, tiger claw. Um, But he's not even there as an extra protection for Ravenpaw anymore. Um, And I feel like he might have been the one who could have called it out and people would have listened, but he's gone, you know? Um, Even despite the fact that he was the deputy and in the way of Tiger Claw taking that position um, of the cats in the clan that we know so far, he would have been the one with the most authority to see through what Tiger Claw is doing. Yeah. And it's, it's strange to know that he didn't considering, you know, he must've known about, you know, at least the, I, I think the most, the way that we can make the most sense of this, at least for me, about people not recognizing, you know, all that Tiger Claw's done, is that despite it being like a very small clan, everyone would have gotten bits and pieces, except for Firepaw, who is, you know, friends with Ravenpaw and is around Tiger Claw a lot because he's, you know, his quasi mentor. He's the devil on his shoulder, as we've said before. Yeah. Which, you know, we have we have the incident where he tries to basically, you know, push Ravenpaw on the road, like, twice in a row, and Blue Star's there for that. Then we have, you know, maybe he sends um he sends Ravenpaw over to the snake rocks, or I mean, you know, cats might have seen him coming back with like a snake, it's a big thing, but you know, only Firepaw and Graypaw really see that. We can just infer that uh people are getting bits and pieces and everything. You know, it's it's a little stretching, but that's how we can think about it. Well, and it's also against, you know, the backdrop of war. We get a little bit of how bi- how absolutely busy everyone is the day after the battle, you know, repairing the camp and fixing things. And they're on constant patrol. And things slip through the cracks when you're at war. Like, maybe they were just like, oh, I guess he's being hard. Maybe Ravenpaw's worried about all of these battles. Um, and, you know, Tiger Claw is being hard on him because that's what he does, but they let it fly because there are bigger things to worry about. And I think each cat is sort of worried about their own domain in a different way. Like, obviously, the queens are worried about their kits. Each mentor is worried about their apprentice. The apprentices kind of worry for each other. And it's Blue Star's job to think about the whole camp, but she has a whole camp to worry about, not just, you know, individual relationships. And she has to worry about her interactions with other clans as well. So I think that also might be where it sort of slips through mm-hmm. the cracks. Yeah. It is It is interesting to see sort of the, the shift towards wartime as, you know, the, the cats are presumably, at least except during the gathering, you know, the peaceful meetings, they're pretty much always, you know, hostile towards each other. But right now this is like all out war. We do see them, you know, like, 
it's interesting how, you know, it makes the, the camp more of a real place. Yeah, the queens, as you said, you know, n like weaving brambles through the outside and everything, which is pretty cool. Um, I like that they're getting, you know, at least some of an active role. We don't really have many um, female characters, at least, you know, not warriors who are mentioned other than, uh, well, Sandpaw's an apprentice and, you know, she's the mean girl. We pretty much just have Blue Star as, up until this point, a complex female character. And that's and a... Yellow Fang. Oh, oh my gosh, Yellow Fang. How could I forget Yellow Fang? I'm so sorry. Our I... favorite lawyer. Our favorite lawyer. Our favorite lawyer cat. Oh my gosh. I, I, I apologize heartily, <laughs> dear listeners. I love Yellow Fang and I love all the little moments she gets here with... We could see, we could see how far she and Firepaw have come where she, you know... They're like trading jibes, like, oh, you know, how's your old leg? Ah, it's, you know, it still hurt me a little bit, you know, as she's, you know, becoming a real member of the clan. And of course, it's very sweet to see her in Firepaw. I also, I like how, um, uh, let's see, I, I think that it's easy to have, you know, we have a lot of moving parts here and a lot of things are very, you know, they could appear convoluted um, or, you know, hard to come by, but I like that. We, we finally get that moment of him, uh, of Firepaw, figuring out what Ravenpaw's, you know, definitively been up to. And we hear the final story from him about how, about how Redtail killed Oakheart and then Tigerclaw killed Redtail just once and for all. And Firepaw says he believes him. We get that whole scene only because uh, Yellowfang tells him, oh, you still have wounds, go roll it in garlic, like go out of the camp. And I like that, um... That's just a good way to set that up, especially as we have, you know, these tensions increasing and cats are, you know, like, you have to stay in camp. I like that we have that, um, I don't know, that just series of events of, you know, we get to have him talking with Yellowfang for some character stuff, and then it leads directly into the plot stuff of, like, oh, by the way, you know, you know, she's a medicine cat, she knows this thing, he still has wounds, like, go outside, and then the plot advances. Yeah, and I think in that story we get from Ravenpaw, there was something that it made me think about with how we as the readers trust um, the stories were given earlier in the book. So we get that, yeah, that Redtail killed Oakheart. Um, and then when the River Clan warriors had fled, when they're all gone, Tigerclaw then jumped and killed Redtail. And so it made me question how accurate and how much are we supposed to trust the prologues because in the prologue Redtail tells everyone to retreat um and we don't get you know we don't get his death in the prologue that's not spoiled for us that early but wait Redtail's dead <laughs> oh, oh no my gosh. sorry sorry, sorry. Redtail's dead he definitely hasn't been dead for almost this whole book mm -hmm. um that's new no that, that was just a, that was just a fox that wasn't him yeah it was very metaphorical um, but how much it's interesting to me how they plant pieces there, but it's also, it seems like the story is, is different from that because if, so they all flee in the prologue and then that's, and Oakheart dies and that's how the battle ends. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so in the prologue, you know, Tigerclaw lets go of Oakheart in, when Oakheart is pinning down Mousefur. And then Redtail is like, we've got to retreat. There are too many River Clan warriors. And Tigerclaw is like, we're not doing that. And then Redtail is like, we can't afford to lose anyone else. Um, and he tells them to retreat. And so 
what we get is them disappearing into the trees with Tiger Claw looking back. So there's something, there's some bit that we're missing. I feel like there's this like period of time if we believe everything that we've gotten in the prologue. So they retreat, and then I guess they go they go back, and Redtail kills Oakheart. Do the River Clan warriors follow them more? It doesn't seem like that's something they would do. But it sounds like from what we hear from Ravenpaw, who's sitting in the the shadows, you know, because he's supposed to run off to camp, that there's a disconnect between the story that we get from the Aaron Hunters at the beginning. This, like, perspective where we're not following a character because we don't have a firepaw yet. Um, and then what Ravenpaw tells us. And I am more inclined to believe Ravenpaw than what we're told. Mm-hmm. But... I'm I'm really interested in that, I guess, that sort of period of time that we don't get between Ravenpaw's story and this retreat. Because Ravenpaw doesn't mention, you know, ThunderClan retreating and then going back. And then Redtail kills Oakheart and then Tigerclaw kills Redtail. But he says that all of them have retreated by the time that happens. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, maybe like Redtail came back to sort of, you know scouted out i mean he seemed pretty pretty intent on leaving it yeah the time doesn't add up there and i think we could look at it in a in a thematic way sort of as i think you are with saying you know like hey you know don't trust everything you you know don't trust everything you read kids oh but what are you reading a book telling you not to trust everything you read um but i feel like this is maybe the first of many if my memory of this series serves us correctly continuity errors yeah, that was that was my other thought of like this book I think was written very quickly by multiple people and so stuff slips through the cracks. I think especially I don't know why the prologue has the vibe of being written before everything else to me. It really feels like the prologue is something that should be written after the rest of the book is. Um but to me it has the energy of like, oh we're going to plant these little seeds that we'll come back to later. But there's a big continuity error that I definitely didn't notice when I first read them, but felt, you know, pretty stark to me, especially when I went back and looked at it. I think the plot is also going so fast that I think it could be missed pretty easily. Yes, like, it, is a, it is a breakneck pace by this point. We are on the edge of our seats. Like, we, we've both been a little tempted to read ahead because, you know, things, things are ramping up. And to be fair, I, I get how they could maybe miss something like this, which is, you know, comparatively small. There's a lot of moving parts. And especially, I know you have that, I don't want to say condition, but certainly that sort of, you know, brain quirk where you can't really picture things in your mind. Um, I don't think that I really have that, but I certainly, it's hard to hold, you know, number one, all of all these characters together, even as someone who's, you know, like read the books like at a, at a very formative age and, you know, has a lot of this, you know, memorized and, you know, knowing it, but also just the fight scenes in particular are very hard to, very hard to hold on to. And I think, you know, they're described pretty well, you know, uh, as we see with the training sequence, um, they're, you know, grounded, like all of the little, you know, advice is, oh, you know, you're watching, you know, my shoulders so that way I can see what you're doing. But I don't know, maybe for some reason, it just sort of, it just sort of falls out of my mind. Like I just sort of speed by it. I'm like, okay, now, you know, get to the, um, let's, let's get to the, get to the plot more so. And I don't know. I feel like it's interesting that you said that, um, you felt that it was written, uh, 
the prologue was written before. It it does feel disconnected in a way for me, but I feel like maybe, at least what I got from it was not as much sowing the seeds, um, although it does, you know, like name drop a lot of the, a lot of characters and the clans. I saw it as more of just like a mood setter. Like, you know, this could be, this could be like a, if this were a movie, this would be like a title sequence maybe told in, you know, like a different animation style, you know, like in a, in Prince of Egypt where they, you know, give the montage of the, um, of the, Hebrew children being killed and, you know, like hieroglyphics or, you know, like whenever they have, uh, I'm trying to think of another, I don't know if Song of the Sea does this, but you know, uh, oh, name, name dropping a lot of good animated movies you should check out. Yeah. I mean, Song of the Sea kind of does because there's the stuff um, with the mom at the beginning. So yeah. there's that like earlier scene that, you know, plays very much into the rest of it. Um, I'm just I thinking, feel like, oh, sorry, can I just, oh, I was gonna say, I feel like other prologues I think you might be right about the mood setter, but I certainly feel like the job of the prologue changes as the books go on. And I think it's different because it's the first book. But I And I don't remember any specifics on it, but I remember other books, um, the prologue being super tied to what happens at the end of the book or at the end of the series. Like it, it pretty firmly planting clues that are important for us to be thinking about from the beginning. And I think in this one, we get the, you know, fire alone can save our clan. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and then we meet a red cat, even if it's a couple pages into that, um, who then, you know, Blue Star so aptly names Firepaw. But yeah, the, the discontinuity now is bugging me and I'm sure it will later. And um, listeners out there, I will probably attempt to come up with a thematic reason for it every time. So mm-hmm. get ready for that. Yes, please. I'm sure. Or if, or if we are just, you know, if, or if it's just been, we haven't read it in time and it does, but you know, I, I, yeah, from, from what you said, it does seem to be pretty confusing how Ravenpaw's order of events could go down. Although again, he is our, he is our most trusted source. He is our primary informant. And he's also pretty traumatized from this event so like i am inclined to trust and believe him but it could also be that you know moments like that slept you know slipped out of his mind especially if everyone's retreating and he's like how do i retreat at the same time without people noticing me because tiger claw told me to go back i think he's already afraid of tiger claw before this happens because tiger claw is not a great mentor but um yeah i was gonna say i'm gonna jump back to what you're talking about with the fighting scenes earlier um is that this training sequence i was like i feel like they should be playing eye of the tiger and this should just be a montage i was like i i could you know he's just running upstairs this is fire pause like training time but yeah i kind of just glazes over um Mm -hmm. it is i guess the character stuff it does give us is that uh blue sweet we get to see blue star interacting with fire paw one-on-one although well, I guess that's later on. Um, I guess it does sort of lay the foundation for her, you know, still kind of weird, like, confession and confiding in him about her um, uh, her actual number of lives left. But what it does is, again, like, she affirms, like, oh, you know, you were clever with Yellow Fang and with Greystripe and you were, like, fierce with the Shadow Clan warriors. It gives us a little more of a, here, our protagonist is competent, is special, despite the fact that he is, uh, you know... <laughs> Making some uh, some poor choices with, uh, you know, going to a trusted adult when something is wrong. And it does, you know, it gives us a little bit of bonding, if anything else. But yeah, I feel like it was maybe a little longer. And again, it just, you know, longer than it had to be. And again, it could just be that, you know, we're excited to sort of, you know, things are ramping up. And I think it's, you know, uh, the, the plot arc in this is, at least in this end, you know, will have to be more comprehensive later. But I feel like it's, you know, things are 
you know, things are heating up, there's drama that's going on, everything is sort of coming to a head, you know, where we want to, we're, we're eager to get to it. Yeah, and I think there are absolutely so many forces at play that keep surprising me, at least. Like, like we've been following this, like, Tiger Claw's suspicious sort of thing for a while. Yeah, and, you know, things are, things are coming to a head, things are, you know, getting towards their close, and we have Spotted Leaf. Rip, rest in, rest in Star Clan, Spotted Leaf. So soon after she was seen so, you know, anxious about, mm, I wonder if Starkland's trying to tell me something. And then she, you know, she lets, you know, she diegetically lets Firepaw know that fire alone will save our clan. And then she is killed mysteriously, just as Yellowfang disappears. And Frostfur's kits are gone. And Frostfur's kits are gone. Not a very, uh, not a very good set of circumstances. At the end of this. Yeah, and before we talk about Frostfur and Yellowfang is I really took note of Spotted Leaf talking about how restless Star Clan was in this like and it's something that I keep thinking about is Star Clan is made up of cats from all of the clans. So where do they put their allegiances in times of battle between clans? I think it's so interesting how when cats die, they go to Star Clan and they're all together. Um, I know that we get a lot more about StarClan later, so I don't remember the specifics about, like, how StarClan cats live. Live. I guess they're dead, but how they chill up in Silverpelt. But just, you know, is it StarClan as a whole telling medicine cats and individual cats things? Is it specific cats in StarClan? And if they're restless, is that, you know, spottedly feeling the tensions between all of them and where their motivations lie versus, like, you know, she says Star Clan tells her that, you know, they, they get that message from Star Clan that Fire Alone can save our clan. But it's not like, oh, and Redtail isn't dead at this time, but it's not like, oh, Redtail's ghost told me that Fire Alone can save our clan. It's from Star Clan. Um, and I'm, I'm, very fa- I'm very interested to hear how I know that we learn more nuances about Star Clan that I can't remember, but I'm really excited to, to dig deeper into those when we get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for. Well, you know, like, I, I like that we're getting, you know, we're, we're getting a lot more plot and a lot more, you know, uh, you know, action and reaction as things are, you know, coming to the climax here. But I'm also excited for, you know, more lore, always more lore. And I think that, at least at this point, I like that, you know, we mentioned it in the Moonstone episode, um, which it's still funny to me to hear when a Dark Stripe and Tiger Claw were talking about, oh, yeah, you know, he had time enough to get away at Mother Mouth. Like, what a, what a weird word that is. But yeah, at least my my kind of, you know, working hypothesis with what we have here is that maybe Star Clan as a collective talks to medicine cats, you know, like like they don't see individual cats. Maybe they get signs and they have to interpret or they like hear words. And then if you want to directly talk with them, you have to go to the moonstone and like as Blue Star says, share dreams with Star Clan. And then then maybe maybe you'll see like individual cats telling you more direct stuff. Although, you know, it is it's very, very ambiguous at this point. And uh, as we can see, their message is not always, you know, super clearly communicated or received as she, uh, you know, Spotted Leaf maybe doesn't guard against, you know, whatever force unknown at this point, although it's, you know, a little obvious uh, what's happening and who's being framed here, uh, whatever comes and kills her and uh, takes Rosfer's kits. Yeah, we've gotten, I will say, we've gotten back to the how would you carry a whole litter of kits away? problem um, well, as as we see and again well you know blackfoot is blackfoot is mentioned in the previous chapter as you know 
yell things like, oh, I remember Blackfoot. She doesn't really say like, oh, he had such such big hands, perfect to carry kits, you know, <laughs> all the better to carry you with. But I mean, we can see, not to cut you off at whatever, he is described in the allegiances as Blackfoot, large white tom with huge jet black paws. Yeah, but then also you gotta walk. Like, I assume that they, they have them, <laughs> but like, you can't walk! Cats walk on four legs. They're not bipedal. They're not like walking on their two feet holding kids. <laughs> and I feel like we're making, I feel like we're making, I guess they are cats. But like, I think you listeners from the last time we talked about kits being stolen and things going on with kits know that like, I love them and I want to protect those babies. Um, but I now can't, like, I'm just thinking about a cat walking on its back paws with like three kits in each paw. Like, Oh my god. Or like a grocery bag full of kits. Obviously they don't have like they don't have their like little reusable grocery bags. But I just don't know how I I don't know how many kits Frostfur has. Um she no, Brindleface is the one who had four. I think Frostfur had I'm going to say n- not more than 3, right? Yeah. So I guess you could carry 3 in your mouth. But it it did say last time when we you know we we did a we did uh you know hypothesize that he might have had a, a baby Bjorn on when yep. Blackfoot you know but it did say like he he scooped them up in his paws and then you know we they chased him off Yellowfang chased him off I said we like we have any <laughs> yeah we 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 were there fighting in the battle <laughs> we valiantly chased off Blackfoot but they they chased him off but before they did I I do remember like the text describing him scooping them up in his paws so was he just like walking away. <laughs> how did he do it um and i guess the other i feel like it would be so hard to steal kits like even at a non-battle too um but they're gone and spotted leaf is dead so i guess the implication is also that spotted leaf was like brindlefur and her kits are also in the nursery but we haven't heard their perspectives yet from from this but spotted leaf is dead so she was guarding them also it seems weird to kill her at the same time as taking the kits if she weren't directly there. Like to, you know, oh, I'm going to go to the medicine cat den and kill her and then walk over and steal the kits. Oh, no, but you see, but you see, Margaret, you have to, you have to have a a fridge, you have to have a dead wife to motivate the male hero. That's That's true. That's what Fireball's gonna... (laughs) Got a fridge spotted leaf. The, The crush that... I feel like we haven't heard about in a while, if I'm being honest, despite the fact they have that interaction. He didn't bring up any of the weird crush stuff. As yeah. far as I remember, I mean, but that's kind of that's kind of good. I yeah yeah. It, it, it would have you know it would have been maybe more pertinent to like you know, lay, sow the seeds for that. As you know, he mentions like unspeakable. Oh wait a minute, he doesn't really Firepod doesn't show a lot of grief for Lionheart, but he does mention. I remember the text specifically saying he had you know like he felt grief well up in him at Spotted Leaf dying. Like, I mean, she was your crush. Lionheart was like your teacher, dude. I mean. I guess they should be equal. I guess she was your, like, you could never be with her crush, too. She was your unrequited love, I guess. She's a doctor nun, and she's older than you by, like, a generation. <laughs> like, dude, stop. <laughs> Which I guess he has to now because she's dead. But, <laughs> like, guess guess he's going to have to find another af- mm-hmm. after he avenges her death. Mm-hmm. Who killed her? Who has gotten away with the kids? Where are they? Definitely not Yellowfang, despite what the, the text wants us to think. <laughs> yeah, the, the text goes, oh no, but Yellowfang is gone. Frostfur didn't trust her anyway. Um, but we also get 
pretty clearly that it I think it wasn't her from Firepaw's perspective because he he before goes oh you know Yellowfang's probably got the scent of the kits and that's who she's following but he was like all I could really smell was her fear scent so she is afraid um but I also think she in leaving both like I think everyone would be suspicious of her if she stayed, but now everyone is suspicious of her that she's gone. Or maybe she is going to get the kids. She's just gone from our perspective. But it really is, you know, I, I guess I guess she's getting to be a scapegoat now. Um, yeah, the goat has escaped and she's gone off leaving ThunderClan for who knows where. Yeah. Yeah, well... I mean, I am I'm definitely excited to in our in our coming episode read the chapters that discuss what happened in the camp, or at least what other people, other cats think happened, because you know, we've had like, oh wait a minute, Yellowfang's gone. Like did did they sneak into the camp again after it was fortified and after they're like on their guard somehow maybe I I guess maybe um it could have been that, uh, like, cats were out of camp patrolling. But, you know, you would have thought, especially after they already tried to steal some kits, they would have, like, left people there to guard them. And that the people they left to guard would not be your healer who cannot fight. And then she's killed, and Yellowfang is gone, which means there are no medicine cats in ThunderClan. There were two, now there are none, after Yellowfang leaves. The other thing that is, like, and I know we're about to get into it, and everybody's, like, nobody knows where the kits went, is, like, Shadow Clan is pretty clearly stealing kits and making child fighters, like and making child soldiers out of them. Oh, but Firepaw can't realize that because it takes him uh, it takes him uh, uh, three months to realize anything other than uh, his fur is orange. No, but he doesn't even realize that because he doesn't get the prophecy. Ah! Yeah, he doesn't even he doesn't even get it. Like Firepaw, I love you, buddy. I have an orange cat because of how awesome you are. That's not actually why I love my cat. He's also just orange. Isn't it, isn't it a stereotype that orange boy cats are kind of are dumb? Are dumb? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we get, and we get a dumb orange boy cat. Representation. Yeah, we get, he, I, you know, Firepaw's a himbo. He is. He's a dumb blonde. He's a dumb ginger. He, res- he respects women, even if he has crushes on, you know, Dr. Nuns. Older um, women. <laughs> he, he, did, he does respect women, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, he's dumb, but he's also strong. Like, he's good at fighting. Mm-hmm. He is a himbo. <laughs> it's, wait, it's, wait a minute. That's, that's something that's been bothering me. Because, you know, we have Blue Star when he, when she's training him, she talks about, oh, you know, you were fierce with, you were fierce with Shadow Clan. Yes, he was. You were strong when you fought the rats. Yes, he was. You were clever with Graypaw and Yellowfang. I, I don't know how clever those interactions were. Like, his... We didn't even talk about his fight with, like, Graypaw in the first episode because, he, you know, it's just, like, super quick, ah, tussle, tussle, and then, you know, like, I think Graypaw even, like, lets him win, or he just, like, Firepaw flips him over, and then he's like, oh, cool, you, you're well for a kitty pet, let's, yeah, let's just chill out, let me talk to you about ThunderClan. And then with Yellowfang, he, like, it's not super clever, he just notices that she's not really, like, fighting back. And Yellowfang refers to him as a thinker? In these chapters, too? And I was like, you know, I would say that he thinks about a lot of things, but does he figure them out? No. Like, <laughs> he I think he's... he's, like, perpetually thinking, and he never gets to conclusions. Mm-hmm. He spends a lot of time thinking. That's a, that's a, it could have been, you know, I, I, I like to think that it could have been, like, a backhanded, like, you know, like, she's, 
You know how they tease each other? Like, maybe she was doing that, but this time he just didn't pick up on it. He was like, oh, man, I guess I am a thinker. I guess I am clever. And, like, I don't think so. You have a lot of good qualities. You got a lot of heart. You are, you know, strong and, like, a, a physically good warrior. But I don't think you're that clever, bud. You're not. You're not. And he thinks so much, and then he doesn't do... Because he doesn't tell, as so we get back to something we talked about earlier in the episode, he doesn't tell Blue Star about the Ravenpaw stuff. Quit thinking. Just tell her, buddy. You don't even have to make the conclusion there. You could have let her do it. <laughs> yeah. Just tell the, you know, tell tell your leader that you know pretty, pretty confidently at this point because he's had a lot of time to think about it. Just tell your leader that you know that her second in command who is already already taking some measures like to curb her power is you know he killed the previous deputy and he will kill again it's just firepot please he needs to you know he will by the end of this book he will level up so to speak i hope i hope i hope that he puts some of his <laughs> experience points into intelligence because the boy needs it oh yeah he super does. So, Firepaw, get your head in the game. I hope you will. In these final episode installments. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Hooked on a Feline. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us again next week. This podcast is a labor of love for us, but we wouldn't be here without the help of our amazing friends. Thanks to Ian for our music and to you, our listeners, for going along with this silly idea. If you have the time, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or tweet at us at Hooked on Feline. We would love to hear what you think. See you next week and may Star Clan light your path. <laughs>